Today on Bible Conversations, we're going to be talking about evangelism. Welcome back to another episode of Bible Conversations. Uh, this is Dylan Bruce, and as always, Chris Carello sitting right next to me. And uh, last week we gave a, a really the first part of a ten-part series. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, you're a Christian now. What I guess I don't really remember what we're calling it exactly. Now that you're a Christian. Now that you're a Christian, yeah, same thing. You're a Christian now. What? <laughs> uh, but we're gonna be talking through. Uh, some things that that young Christians that um, that folks that are early on in their walk with Christ uh, need to know and uh, and need to understand. Last week we talked about the Lord's Supper and really what we're doing when we partake the Lord's Supper and the importance of it. And today we're going to be talking about evangelism. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for this topic. Um, yeah, you know. It's it's one of those that can be seen as like, oh, well, I can define evangelism so easy. Well, okay, let's do more than define it, though. Let's uh, let's actually go out and live it, talk about how we put that definition into practice. Well, but even the definition of evangelism, I think, is more difficult to nail down than people think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, you know, there's there's so much to it, such a broad scope, such a wide range the evangelism covers right it's not just mm-hmm. sharing the gospel that is a part of evangelism but so is building relationships oh yeah so is going out into the community so is being there right at 3 a.m when mm-hmm. somebody's calling upon you um so is bringing people to worship and to church and to events and all of those things i mean there's there is so much to evangelism that trying to define it in a simple way ultimately will leave out a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're going to do today is we're not really going to define it, but the goal is to do practical application of what you can do evangelistically. Yeah. Um, and so the first place that we're going to go, obviously, is Matthew 28, right? The, the Great Commission. You can find it in Mark 16, Luke 24, I think, something like that. I don't know. Anyway. Matthew 28, that's where I always go, 19, 20. Uh, and this is, you know, this is the, the, the command that Jesus gave right before he ascended. Right? And this is what he told his disciples. And he says, starting in verse 19, uh, really, I guess we sh- should start in 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the first part of this, right, go therefore is, is a very direct action. Uh, it doesn't mean you get to sit on your couch. It doesn't mean that you get to uh, watch somebody else do it. It also, and this might be a little controversial, doesn't mean that you just get to pay for somebody else to go do it. Jesus is telling his disciples, those who are followers of Christ, to go and then to make disciples. And that idea of making disciples involves having people not just believe, but understand who Jesus is. And ultimately, it says right after, be baptized into him. Yeah, I think uh, that phrase, making disciples, there is so many layers to that. Um, 
you know, it's it's more than just a one time get baptized. It's more than just a uh, one time I confess Christ. It's more than just a um, you know one time I'm going to 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 go to church with my friend. Um, to become a disciple of Christ means to 100% commit your life to Him and in everything you do, look to glorify Him. It's a it's a complete change of lifestyle and turn towards Christ. It's a complete uh, die to yourself and live for Christ. And and all this we read throughout Paul's letters as far as the layers of, of becoming a disciple and um, and making disciples of others. Um, all of these layers are are found throughout the entire New Testament. Yeah. But when Jesus tells them simply, make disciples of all nations, yeah. um I, I think the apostles understood that because they had walked with Jesus for three years. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times we read make disciples and it's like, okay, what does that involve? You yeah. know, and there's, there is, there's a lot to it. And, and I think he really explains it a little bit later, right? Mm-hmm. Just starting really in verse 20, right? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Mm-hmm. So there's an implication here, right? There's two different things that are happening. One is you're going to make disciples. You're going to baptize them in the name of Jesus, right? And that is when you become a Christian, right? That is that is when you are a Christian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been talking with quite a few people about evangelism recently. And there's a difference between evangelizing and teaching. Evangelizing is with those who are not Christians. Teaching with those who are. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that you are not teaching those who are not, but you are evangelizing them, right? There is teaching involved in evangelism. But once you have been baptized into Christ, you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you've risen up in a newness of life, you're no longer being evangelized. Now you're just being taught. Yeah. And so the idea here, right, that we are to make disciples of all nations, right? We give them what they need to know and we help them understand what they need to know in order to become a Christian, in order to understand the grace that has been given to them. And then, right, it says there, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, right? So once they've been baptized, right, then teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And this just further goes to explain and show that, man, becoming a Christian is the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's the first step. Um, and so I think it's really important we understand that our job as Christians is to evangelize. That means we need to be willing to teach people and tell people or bring people to Christ. Now, if you're someone who's very shy and who is unwilling, uh, for lack of a better word, right, but unwilling to go out of your comfort zone to to share the gospel, bring them to somebody who will. And then sit there and discuss, right? Like, you don't have to do it yourself. There's no part of Jesus here saying you have to do it yourself, right? In fact, he's talking to all of the disciples. In fact, verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Yeah. And then Jesus tells them, go therefore. Yeah. All of them. So I think it's important to note um, in regards to this is that we all have different talents, different gifts um, that we need to put to use. And and not everybody has the ability to stand up and, you know, just start publicly proclaiming Christ. Um, not everybody has the ability to really make connections with people and, and develop relationships. Um, you, you know, all, all of these aspects to bringing people in, 
teaching them. Um, there are so many different people and different talents that excel in those different areas. Um, one of the, the points that I think we need to make here as we talk about this is, um, is that a seminar that um, some folks do, I'm really blanking on it, but it's, it's called bring, teach, keep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, really shows that there are some people who they, they bring people in. They are so outgoing. They're so encouraging. They build relationships. They, they bring people in. They, you know, it's like the Pied Piper type of mentality. They, people just want to follow them wherever they're going. And if they are going towards Christ, they're going to bring people towards Christ. And then there's other folks that, that are the keep, um, or sorry, the, the teach. Um, and that's the, um, sitting down, having a Bible study with them, uh, teaching them about who Christ is and, as you're defining it, evangelizing them and, and uh, teaching them about baptism and becoming a Christian and, and um, repentance, turning from their old life. And then also the teaching as far as the observing everything that Christ has commanded. And, and then there's the keepers, the folks that are, are Barnabas, you know, the encouragers, they, they build people up. They build up the brothers and sisters. They, they keep the, church intact through their encouragement and through their fellowship. And while each of those, you may be thinking about people in your life who it's like, okay, they do really well at, at two of those three, or maybe even all three of those. Um, and there's others who it's like, you know, I, I don't feel like I excel at any of those that well bringing teaching or keeping. Um, but there is a job for everybody. I, I think this is why God gave us the church um, as the body and, and the example of the church being a body because, um, and I can't say to an ear, I don't need you. Uh, you know, a hand can't say to a foot, I don't need you and, and so on. Um, each of us have different abilities to to evangelize and to further the kingdom of God. Yeah, and, you know, I, I agree with all that. I will, and I don't know if we fully agree on this, and that's okay if we don't, but I do. I do think it's important that just because you are a teacher does not mean that you can't keep. And just because you're a keeper doesn't mean you can't bring. And just because you're a bringer doesn't mean you can't teach. And all of those things. Absolutely. Yep. And I think if you believe yourself to be a bringer, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't also be trying to teach. Yep. It just means that you're better at bringing. And that's okay. But you should also be trying to teach. Yep. Because God has given us such a phenomenal gift. And for us to say, well, I'm just not, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a keeper. I'm not a bringer. And the, the apostles in, in Acts, right? How can I not but speak of the things that I have seen and heard? Yeah. We have been given eternal life. And it doesn't take too much to talk about it. And so my only hesitation with that line of discussion is I don't want anybody to hear it and think, oh, well, okay, well, I'm not a teacher, so I don't have to ever worry about teaching. I just want to keep. And I'm just going to keep people here. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a good way to approach it. Uh, no, I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, like I said at the beginning, there's you know, there's um, crossover with yes. with everything. We within all the the talents that people have in the church, there's so much crossover as far as um, what you know what your job is. But it is important to think about and to to realize what are you good at yeah. and what do you enjoy doing um for example 
uh, I'm, you know, I'm teaching the, uh, an active Christian class on Wednesday nights here at Keller talking about, you know, what are you good at putting your talents to practice? You know, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Um, and, um, one of the examples I give is in regards to missions, you know, I, I am not the kind of person that wants to travel to a new culture, learn a new culture in order to evangelize. And yeah. and in the class, I distinguish missions from evangelism. Evangelism is the general sharing of your faith. Missions is a more specific form of evangelism. I think it's uh, it's a going to a a different culture to uh, to evangelize. And and I talk with the folks. I'm like, that is just not my talent. And I like, I'd never even learned a second language in high school. Um, I just, that that's not my ability. Now, if we had a mission trip going to Costa Rica, yeah, I'd sign up for that. But am I going to be the one spearheading things and, and the one saying, Hey, let's go talk to that person. Can you talk to them? No, (laughs) you know? Um, so I I think recognizing what you're good at is really important because otherwise things become a train wreck. You know, if you don't have people knowing what they're good at. If you put a right fielder in to pitch in baseball, he, he's going to allow some home runs because he's not a pitcher. You know, if you put yeah. the pitcher out in center field, he's going to allow 20 doubles because he doesn't have the speed to go catch the ball in the gap. Yeah. You know, and I give baseball analogies. I hope people can follow along with that. But yeah. um, but that's kind of what I mean as far as recognizing what your talent is. Um, but I wholeheartedly agree there's crossover. Everybody needs to be um, bringing teaching and keeping. Yeah. Just because you're good at one is not an excuse to not do the others. Exactly. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's all I, that's all I really wanted to say. I, I do agree. You need to know, you need to know what you're good at. Um, I think so many people are also, those of us that, that understand what humility is and that we need to be humble, sometimes take it too far. And you know, oh, I'm I'm really I'm not that good at teaching. I'm not I'm not that good at bringing. And then they have like 30 guests within a month, right? That yeah. they're bringing. Like, well, you are, <laughs> yeah. And it's okay to be say that you're good at that because God has given you that gift, that yeah. ability. Um, you know, I, I I do think there is something to be said about that. Yeah. And so we don't want to be overly humble. We don't want to be braggadocious, but we do want to make sure that we understand what our talents are, understand what our gifts are, understand what our abilities are, mm-hmm. that we count the cost, right, before we build, right? And that's yeah. part of being a Christian, right? What yeah. what am I going to do for the kingdom of God? Yeah. And then we go forward and we do it. Um, and so, you know, I know you had at least a couple places that you yeah, wanted to, to I kind of want to get um, into a few examples um, with this discussion about evangelism today. So I know we've been talking kind of widespread, mm-hmm. um, but more specifically – um, with evangelism, I want to look at examples. And so in Acts chapter eight, we get a really good example of evangelism. There are so many takeaways from this passage of, um, Philip evangelizing the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, and so it starts in Acts chapter eight and I'll try to summarize it so we don't have to, uh, read through the whole thing. Um, feel free to pause this right now though. If you have not read it before and want to read through the whole thing, that's the nice thing about podcast is you can just pause it, read the passage, and then come right back to it. But um, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, is where we're looking at it. And um, and uh, it starts with Philip being instructed by an angel of the Lord 
um, to go down from Jerusalem, down from Jerusalem to to Gaza, um, to a place basically in the middle of nowhere. And the reason he went down there is because there was an Ethiopian. Um, he was a, a nobleman, um, and he was up in Jerusalem worshiping, and was on his way back down to Ethiopia. And um, so Philip comes to him on this road, and um, and he sees him reading from the book of Isaiah. And Philip asks, do you understand what you're reading? Is it making sense to you? Do, you? do you know what those words mean? And the response from this Ethiopian is, um, is in verse 31. He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. And uh, then it, it lists the passage that the Ethiopian was reading in verses 32 and 33. And, um, and the eunuch asked Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Um, as he's talking about Christ was like a, a lamb led to the slaughter. And the Ethiopians wondering, is this who is this being written about? Is this Isaiah who is writing the book? Or is this about someone else, i.e. Christ? Yeah. And so from that passage, Philip went on and t- told him all about Christ, that the passage was about Christ. The passage... Um, uh, was about uh, Christ being led to the cross like a lamb led to the slaughter and um, and went on to tell him all about the life that Christ lived, uh, how he is the, the son of God, how he came to this earth to to bear the sins of all mankind and, and how if you want to be a follower of him and if you want an eternal life with him, then this is what you do. You need to be baptized. You need to repent of of your old life. You need to, uh, to confess that, that Christ is Lord, rise up to a new life. And, um, and the Ethiopian said, well, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? Yeah. And so, um, it's, th- that's kind of the summary of the story as I talk through that, but there's some important points in regards to evangelism that I want to point out. Philip, when he got to the chariot, he didn't walk up and say, I want to study the Bible with you. Here are some passages I want to take you to to prove to you the point that I'm trying to make that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, yep. and that you should be baptized. Instead, he listened. And that, that's the first thing is, is Philip sat down and listened and said, what do you want to know? Like, yeah. what, what are you trying to understand? Yeah, that's a really good point. We, we often, and specifically, I guess we say, I say we, I mean Americans. Mm-hmm. We, we go where we want people to be. We don't go where people are. Mm. Um, yeah. And when we listen, we understand where people are. Yeah. And so I do. I think that's a really good point that we just need to listen first. Yeah. Um, and then even, even more than that, Philip kind of took himself out of the equation, you know, uh, more or less. He, he really put scripture first. It was a not, I have a message to share with you. Instead, it's a, this book that you're reading has a message to share with you. And obviously, Philip had to be the one to talk. Yeah. Philip had to be the one to, to share because the New Testament wasn't put together at this time. Yep. Uh, all they had was the Old Testament. All, he was reading from the book of Isaiah. Well, he was reading from a scroll. Yeah. Like he was sitting in a chariot with a piece of vellum or cowhide mm. or leather that had been rolled up that he was having to unroll and depending on where he was, right, which I believe, uh, let me see if it, if it shows exactly where. Isaiah 53. 
is pretty far down. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a long way into that scroll. Towards, po- towards the end of it. Towards the end. It's possible that there were multiple scrolls, right? But, man, I could imagine in that chariot, half of the chariot's just covered up with the leather or the vellum or whatever it is that they've got there. And he's just holding it up, right? Just, I mean, it's pretty heavy. Holding it up, trying to understand what's going on. And, you know, it's not like a book that we have today. You know, it was yeah. after scrolls, there were codexes, right, or codices. Yeah. And then after codices, about five, six hundred years later, then we finally got a book, yeah. right? And it wasn't until the printing press that we actually have what we have today. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just – it's interesting. We, we always think of it like, oh, he's just like flipping through. No, he's not flipping through anything. He's yeah. He is actively reading and it is a difficult, like it's a task to read yeah. on a chariot, I'm assuming. I've never been on a chariot, but I imagine it was not. Neither have I. <laughs> imagine it was not overly smooth. Yeah. You know, probably some wooden wheels on top of rocks, right? Just bouncing everywhere. Yeah. And then it's not just a normal book. It is a scroll that has been handwritten yeah. by hopefully a good scribe. <laughs> you know, maybe the, maybe this scribe has terrible handwriting. We don't know. And he's trying to read this. Well, how can I understand this? Yeah. If nobody explains it to me. Yeah. And that's where Philip comes in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's, I think it's just a, a powerful thing that we often miss out on is the, we put it in today's terms. Again, we don't go where people are. We go where we want them to be. Yeah. Well, and, and on that point too, uh, one more thing about Philip is that um, when he got to where the Ethiopian was, he ran to him. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was back in, oh, where am I at? <laughs> In verse 30, um, after uh, Philip is told by the angel of the Lord to where to go, Philip goes there. He sees the eunuch. Uh, The spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And in verse 30, so Philip ran to him. And hearing him reading Isaiah, then uh, proceeded to speak. Um, But Philip is excited. He knows that there's a message to be shared, but he is also humble enough to remove himself from the equation. Listen to to the the needs of the Ethiopian. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, I, I wanted to bring that up because it's a, a clear uh, story of evangelism and uh, gives some really good points from Philip there. So I've got two stories that I'm going to share. One I told you a little bit earlier. The other I thought of just recently. Um, the first one I'm going to share is not so much about evangelism, mm-hmm. but it will tie into the second story really well. Okay. We'll, we'll see that when we get to it. So Mark chapter 5, we see Jesus healing a demon-possessed man. And this demon-possessed man, the demons consider themselves legions, right? They, they say, my name is Legion. Um, this man... Oh, a legion of demons. He's a legion of demons, right? He's yeah. a lot of them. In fact, I was actually asked by the high schoolers. We, we went over this recently in, in the high school class. And one of the one of the teen boys goes, were there like... 2,000 demons, and there's like one demon per pig when they went out. Like, how? And I was like, man, I don't know. Maybe it was like five demons per pig. I have no idea how many it was. Is it is a legion? There's yeah. a lot of them. Um, the reality is, is this dude was possessed. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he had metal chains that he was breaking constantly. He was cutting himself with stones to try and probably relieve some of the pressure. He was, I mean, he was in a bad way, and everybody avoided him everybody avoided him yeah because they knew how powerful he was so i believe um a legion of anything is a thousand Mm -hmm. um 
and that's rough but yeah it's uh it's really from the the roman army yeah. you know well, centurion is one 100 yeah. right yeah um legion i think is a thousand but yeah maybe um, two i don't know we can look it up and later, so but. so when uh but we sing the song you know he could have called ten thousand angels yeah what's actually really cool is um the scripture reads he could have called ten thousand legions of angels yeah <laughs> so more than just ten thousand angels but um either way i i just think that it's really cool looking into stuff like that so um the uh, demon possessed man it actually says a legion was no- nominally composed of six thousand soldiers six thousand okay and each legion was divided up into ten cohorts mm-hmm. and each cohort containing six centurii yeah centurion is about a hundred men yeah so the roman centurion is over a hundred men yeah yep. so um yeah but so this man, he's got a legion yeah, he's of got a demons. Legion of demons in him, approximately right? six thousand of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot, right? Yeah. So now, based on that math, and there were two thousand pigs, each pig got three demons, um, yeah, roughly. <laughs> so, so I'll have to answer that question to uh, the team this this upcoming Sunday. But, um, but no, I mean, we've got we've got this man who everybody is afraid of, and they're afraid of him because he's powerful, because he's strong, because nobody can contain him. Mm-hmm. And up comes Jesus. All right. I just, I can just imagine Jesus sauntering up like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Right. And this demon possessed man falls down before Jesus and begs him not to harm him. Don't torment me, he says. Well, my view of Jesus is he's not a tormentor. (laughs) I don't view Jesus as someone who torments anybody. I view Jesus as someone who saves people. Don't torment me, he says. And he looks over and he sees the pigs and he asks to be sent in the pigs instead. Because the demons know they're going to be leaving the man. They know it. And they know who Jesus is. And so Jesus accepts it. They, the, the demons go off into the pigs. They fall into the water. And the demon-possessed man is left without anything else in his mind but himself. And so they clothe him. And when the town comes out, because there were some herdsmen out there who saw the pigs flee and saw the pigs rush off into the bank. I mean, dude, that's a lot of pigs. That's a lot of – these people weren't Jews, right? So, I mean, that's a lot of food that they're mm-hmm. missing out on. That's that's livestock. That's their livelihood, yeah. right? Yeah. So they go and they tell everybody. The whole town comes out. And they see this man that they have been afraid of, that they have been un- unable to chain, unable to do anything with, just sitting, clothed. Right, it's probably the first time they've seen him actually clothed and not just nude in a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's just chilling. And then they see who he's standing next, who he's sitting next to, which is Jesus. And they're afraid, they're terrified, because if this man who we couldn't contain was conquered by this man, I don't want anything to do with that man. Yeah. So they asked him to leave. Leave go and the demon possessed man wanted to stay with jesus he wanted to be there but jesus had some different plans he wanted this man to tell everybody what had happened to him he wanted this man to proclaim to all of those people in the village all those people in that city that he was healed Mm -hmm. and who he was healed by and what happened and really at the baseline of it that's evangelism when we become a Christian, we go out and we tell people, I've been healed. Yeah. Verse 19 of Mark chapter 5. Go home, 
to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Yep. And how he has had mercy on you. Yeah. That's, if, if you want to define evangelism, you know, we talked about at the beginning. Um, and that's really the, I guess, definition of it. Uh, go home, tell your friends, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so there, G- Jesus uses a non-Jewish man mm-hmm. to proclaim the Christ. And then you move over to John chapter 4. And here we have a woman, Samaritan woman, who is getting water at the well. And Jesus goes up to her. And I'm, I, I should have mentioned this before. I'm, I'm not going to read all of it because it's a lot. But as Dylan mentioned, you are more than welcome to pause at any point in time and read. Yep. Um, but this, this Samaritan woman's at the well. And Jesus tells his disciples, go into the city, get food, get water. And I would imagine the disciples put up a little bit of a fight, right? Like they're in Samaria. And Samaritans and Jews were not friends. Uh, that's that's a very nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And they were probably afraid for Jesus' safety. And so I imagine they put up a little bit of a fight. No, Jesus, at least let one of us stay. Jesus was adamant. So they all went into the city to get food. And then he stands and he talks to this Samaritan woman. And for those of you that are unaware, um, yes, the Jews and Samaritans were on very bad terms. But at this point in time, women were considered as socially inferior to men. To the point where a man was really not supposed to talk to a woman in public. And more so than that, a Jewish man was not supposed to talk to a woman. And more so than that, a Jewish man was not supposed to talk to a Samaritan woman. Mm -hmm. There is a double strike against Jesus for talking to this woman. And the woman's like, talking to me? <laughs> Probably looking around like, are you are you actually talking to me or is there somebody else? And Jesus asks her for some water. And eventually begins to talk to her about living water. Jesus uses what is around him to proclaim the truth of who he is, to proclaim the gospel, to, procl- to proclaim that he is the Messiah, right? I am who you're waiting for. And then she goes and tells the entire city, the entire town, who Jesus is. We think it's so complicated to go and talk to people about Jesus. We make it into this just massive, massive deal. right? This woman just goes and tells her friends, come and hear a man who told me everything I know about myself. You know, He told her, you were right in saying you don't have a husband. You've had five. The one you're with and your husband. <laughs> we make it so difficult to talk about Jesus sometimes. We feel like we have to know all this knowledge. We have to know every little thing about the Christ. And what we have to know is what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing I always like to share. Um, you know, the most common excuse for why don't we share our faith more often? Why don't we, uh, you know, bring people to Christ. Well, I don't know enough. And yeah. and it's funny, whenever we talk in Bible classes, the answer is never I don't know enough. It's a we don't know enough. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> like like uh why is the gospel not being shared with every single person in your life? Yeah. Well, you know, we don't know enough. Um yeah. and I I mentioned it to folks in my class the other uh, a few weeks ago and I was just like, "Can we please just stop saying that?" Because it's really not true. Yeah. Um, because 
well, what one of two things. Either it's not true because you knew enough to become a Christian yourself, yeah. um, and you can tell people about why you decided to be a Christian. Or number two, you really don't know enough, and you don't know what you did when you you were baptized. You yeah. know, and so really, just even scarier. Exactly. <laughs> Th- those are the, those are the two options you're left with. Yeah. Um, and granted, yes, you you can study more. You need to study more. You need to increase your knowledge so you can share more knowledge. But yep. if you are a baptized believer in Christ and you have the audacity to say, I don't know enough, well, that's kind of a problem, you know? Well, it's a lie. It may well, not be an intentional lie and it may not be one that you're actively trying to do. Yeah. But it is a lie. Yeah. It's just not truthful. And if you're willing to say that, you're saying it because you're either afraid, you, you there there might be a myriad of reasons, right? But just the easiest way to get out is, well, I just don't know enough to talk about Jesus. Do you know enough to get baptized into Christ? Mm-hmm. You know enough to talk about Jesus. Yeah. And that's really the bottom line, right? So I always like whenever we have this kind of discussion as far as, you know, uh, do, I, do I know enough? Uh, am, am I the one that really needs to go? Um, I always like looking back at Moses' story. You know, when Moses is out in Midian, I believe it is, and yeah. and he sees the burning bush. He goes to the Poor burning guy. bush, and, and, so and God tells him, you need, you're you going to go. You're the one that's going to bring my people out of Egypt. And Moses went through excuse after excuse. Um, you know, I, I stutter. I don't talk well. I can't go. Um, you know, I, I, I'm afraid they're not going to believe me. Um, and so God gives him miracles. I don't want to go alone. Yeah. I, I don't want to go by myself. I, you know, I'm just... I'm not well spoken. Um, you know, the, a myriad of excuses. Finally, and isn't his last excuse like, just don't say. I me. just don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally, gets down and to the actual point, reason. The anger of the Lord burned with Moses, and he said, "Go right yeah. now." You know, it's kind of like a parent after having the discussion with their kid, trying to get them to do something, and eventually, just like you know, that look comes on their face, and like the tone changes, and it's like you better go to your room right now. I, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and so um, it's, it's just so, I, I wonder what God's thoughts are with us nowadays when he's like, I don't want to you, you need to go share the gospel. <laughs> well, I stutter. You yeah. need to go share, the, take somebody with you who can talk well. You need yeah. to go share the gospel. Well, you know, they're not going to believe what I have to say anyways. Yeah. Okay. Well, Here's a Bible with 66 books showing all of my power. Go share the gospel. Yeah. I just don't want to go. Yeah. And it's like, son. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you'll have people like Jonah, right? Which, if you know anything about me, those of you that are listening, I'm not a fan of Jonah, the character. <laughs> I think there are things we can learn about Jonah. Not a fan of Jonah, the character. He was just a whiny guy. He goes out and he proclaims to Nineveh and the entire city repents and he pouts like we our job is to bring people to Christ and when we do that we got to rejoice we got to be happy we got to be excited and and I think there are people that man they they tell somebody about Christ and they start to believe and well you're not living the right way you're not doing everything you need to be doing exactly the right way and you know it's just and they're just complaining and we gotta, we gotta be kind and forbearing and gracious and patient and long suffering and, mm-hmm. and encouraging. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I, I don't know. The Old Testament is such a good example 
a lot of times of what to do and also what not to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, ultimately, man, our, our job is to proclaim the gospel. Yeah. Jesus told us, go therefore. Well, that's about all I got for today. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to share? Or? No, I, I think we can I think we can close it up with that. All righty. Well, um, yeah, that, we'll keep doing these kind of discussions for about the next eight weeks. Yep. The uh, Now That You're a Christian study, uh, we talked about Lord's Supper last week. Uh, go back and check that one out. Um, so done with evangelism. What's next week's topic? We're talking about living faithfully. Living faithfully, yeah. which we kind of talked about at the beginning of this one, you know, yeah. teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be next week's topic. Y'all uh, listen closely as you can hear how you can contact us. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bible Conversations. We want to encourage you to check out our proud partners, Ministry League. They have a website as well as an app that you can download from your smartphone. Yeah, not only that, but also be sure to send us an email. You can reach us at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you what your thoughts and comments are on today's episode. And if you have any questions or any comments, anything that you would like to let us know, please send us a text at the following number, 972-905-0856. Yeah, and that way we'll be able to uh, get that comment and and get back with y'all as well. And please leave reviews and comments. I know there's a lot of places that you listen to this podcast that you can leave comments and reviews. I know Apple Podcasts, I'm pretty sure iHeartRadio and others, you can uh, leave reviews and comments as well. And last, but most certainly not least, we ask that you share this with your friends. Uh, We do our best to provide... Uh, biblical and and, and strong uh, discussion and we hope that you can feel free to share that with everybody that you love and come in contact with thank you all so much for all of your support we love you